Hey, you guys, this is Aeon. And this is the Lioness. And we wanted to tell you about a new opportunity provided by Trans Tech Summit. They have introduced the Monica Roberts Essay Contest and Blogger Award. In honor of the late Monica Roberts and her, her extraordinary legacy, Trans Tech will be hosting an essay contest and providing a blogger award. During their annual Trans Tech Summit, attendees will have the opportunity to both learn about and begin preparing their submissions for the contest and award. Monica Roberts used her gift to tell the stories of people in the trans community with dignity and respect. In honor of Monica and her extraordinary legacy, TransTech will be hosting an essay contest and providing a blogger award. You may begin preparing and submitting your content as soon as you'd like. We also, we will also be providing an opportunity during the summit for attendees to work on their submissions for the contest during the workshop, Writing for Liberation with Dr. John Paul. And Ms. Thing, they also have prizes. All prize. So for the first grand prize, it'll be for $1,000. All right. There will also be two runner-up prizes at $500 each. And there will also be one blogger award for $500 each. All Next, right, got a little coin. Right. So the requirements for the essay, length, the essay should be at least 1,000 words, but should not exceed 1,250 words. The, the word count must be included on the document that you, that you submit. Essays must be original work. Also, essays must be nonfiction and follow the form of a diary, journal, blog, memoir, or essay. They are seeking stories, real stories about your real life. Wow. So you guys, submissions should be emailed to info at transtechsocial.org. Again, that's info at transtechsocial.org with the subject, Monica Roberts Contestant Entry. And remember, remember everyone, deadlines are November 20th, 2020. That's coming up soon. So you guys get with it. That's actually Trans Day of Remembrance. It is. So you guys, Trans Day of Remembrance, don't forget the Trans Tech Summit Monica Roberts Trans Griot Essay Contest and Blogger Award has prizes, and I just think this is a wonderful opportunity. Right, and also it's a fab way to honor Monica's legacy, and it's a demonstration of how Monica's legacy and how she used the medium of writing and blogging to liberate us and how that now lives in the community. So and we're here at box number 512 are very excited to promote this event. And I know Brianna and I, we, we, we are excited to see what stories and what things manifest from this. And shout out to the winners in advance. And shout out to Angelica Ross and the Trans Tech team for creating this opportunity. This is a really dope idea. Hey, I'm Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. And you're listening to Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Changing your world one conversation at a time. The show begins now. Welcome. 
Welcome to another installment of Box Number 512 Podcast, Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. I'm Aeon. And I'm the Lioness. Girl, I am feeling so good right now. Yes. Biden, Harris, uh, the president and vice president-elect, honey. And my mood has been exponentially better since I heard the news on Saturday or Friday or whatever, whatever day Pennsylvania was declared by. Saturday. Saturday. Okay. Yes. I am very excited as well, sis. Like it waking up that. So like, I remember I was up at like Saturday. It was Friday. It was Friday evening going into Saturday morning and it was around five or six AM and nothing had been put up. So then I dozed off and went to sleep. And by the time I woke back up, it was like 10 or 11 on Sunday, I mean, on Saturday during the day. And it was already up. It was already out that best um, Vice President-elect um, Biden and, uh, well, Vice President-elect Harris and President, Vice, and President-elect um, Biden were both put in the office. But, you know, of course, girl, there's some uniqueness. There's some, there's some other shit. No, we we will definitely get to it, but it's it's definitely uh it's been a sigh of relief for me because I was really concerned. Mm-hmm. I was really concerned because even though it went in our favor, it could have went the other way. It could have. It could have went the other way, and even though on the last episode we broke everything down and it was a kiki, honey. <laughs> <laughs> everything, everything that Trump did and his administration did was not enough in the end for them to overwhelmingly vote for uh, vote for Biden and Harris. Yes, and um, I just want to take this opportunity to give a shout out to Georgia. Um, one of the big one of the big points last week was that he was leading in Georgia, and it is at this point the his ground is gaining, and he's more than ten thousand points behind. Um, Biden in Georgia. So there's a good chance that Georgia will be a blue state. And even though we know that there's going to be, that's the recount territory, even if he does not get Georgia, that would not affect the election. But I want to say shout out to Georgia because this is the first time that Georgia has been blue in since, since Bill Clinton in 92, I believe. And I just want to just say congratulations. Like the the effort was really big here. Shout out to Stacey Abrams. Um, I am a part of a war room right now going on um, for the runoff elections of for John Ossoff and Reverend Warnock. And also um, there's an additional seat that is also doing a runoff. Two Senate seats are available here. And so, um, oh yeah, it's Purdue um, versus... Um, John Ossoff, and then it's Warnack versus some white lady. God bless her, but I don't know her. And so, um, but we're going to make this happen. And there's so many other factors involved. But before we get into all that, shout out to Georgia. Shout out to all those Black people. I know y'all remember hearing me on the podcast say how it was so, uh, it was so, it made my heart spill over with joy at the amount of Black people I saw in those lines. It was gagging. It gave President 
President Obama the first time. It gave, and I think that's the only thing I could compare it to. And it was still, it looked like it was going to be more. And because we know now how many more people, this has been the most voted election since 100, 100 last 120 years since 1900. So we know that more people showed up to the polls. And I really saw a lot of black and brown faces. And in, particularly in DeKalb County, particularly in the districts that I'm that, that I'm in, um, DeKalb and Clayton were two um, districts that helped really decide this election. So to feel like my vote counted, to feel like my vote mattered, was just important. So shout out to the state of Georgia. Um, we lost the election with Stacey Abrams being governor and she galvanized the forces within the Democratic Party and they really launched an amazing voter campaign and the fruit is and the proof is in the pudding. The fruit has manifested. So congrats. Also, shout out to all of these um, majority Black cities, especially in these swing states that kind of helped to vote. The, the Philadelphias, the Pittsburghs, the Detroits, the Milwaukee's, uh, the Black, the, well, in Arizona, not only the, whatever Black people are in Phoenix, but the um, Indigenous people on the um, reservations yes. honey, to show out, honey, because I was looking on the map. I was like, girl, don't nobody, no, don't know Black people I know live in, in in these parts of Arizona. So the only other logical explanation is, is the Indigenous folks on the reservation is getting it in with these votes, honey. So shout out to all of the people, even over in the South, in the states that did not turn blue, we know that Black folks are out there. Shout out to Texas. I mean, it didn't happen, but it was damn close. There are a lot of states, even North Carolina, there are a lot of states that probably will go to Trump that were sitting on the wire. So it is not a lost victory. Y'all, please stay galvanized. Right, and I I think the reason that we can celebrate Stacey Abrams, especially for everything that she represents for me personally, but just overall, is just her her strategy that she became the face of, but there were definitely grassroots organizers around her and under her that helped to um, do the work. But it's all about reaching out to people that are unders- underserved getting them registered to vote, getting them to participate in the the process, and that we don't have to placate to middle America. We don't have to um, try to convince white people to come on over or to check. No, we need need to engage the disenfranchised and get get them energized and get them involved in the systems and also remove the barriers that prevent them from coming out and voting in mass numbers and getting them to show up in record-breaking numbers and going forward, um, improving the conditions around them voting so more folks are energized to vote and we don't have to wait in lines for like eight to 10 hours, which is a form of voter suppression. So shout out to the black and brown folks, shout out to the deep south shout out to stacy abrams just just shout out to everybody and this is only the beginning we have a we have a huge fight ahead of us um the that those elections in georgia are a very 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 big deal um and take a second when you when you finish what you're saying can you take a second to explain from from your from a from a from a legal legal's point of view um, on why that's so important. Why are the votes in the Georgia um, Senate races so important? Okay, so just to get to it, 
we Democrats, we need to win the Senate, right? So, so we have a major victory in that we were able to vote Trump out of office. It's great. It's great. It's a step in the right direction. But we've already seen what it looks like when we have a Democratic president. We have a Democratic administration in a Democratic House, but we have a Republican-controlled uh, Senate. Uh, this happened the this happened the last um, this happened during the last four years of the Obama term. So what that means is, if Mitch McConnell and those Republicans control the Senate, a lot of those big groundbreaking bills, the Equality Act, the John the um, the John Lewis Civil Rights Act to restore civil, um, I mean, not Civil Rights Act, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, the um, George Floyd police brutality bills, like all of those groundbreaking, sweeping legislations that we need to get passed, that we need to repair the country. In a Republican-controlled Senate, Mitch McConnell and the Republicans, they're not going to pass any of that stuff. They're going to use the power that they have in the Senate to block everything that Biden does. So this this also means that when uh, the Biden tries to get new judges on the uh, on the appellate level, on a district court level, or even at the Supreme Court level, Mitch McConnell and his lackeys they're going to do everything in their power to block. Um, Biden from getting stuff passed, from getting stuff done. Um, they're going to try to do everything to weaken his power, and they're going to come up with all these different excuses. When just last week or two weeks ago, they confirmed Amy Coney Barrett so fast. And it's, they never confirmed a justice like that. So they're going to turn back around now that we have some power and do everything to stop us. So we we have to get Ossoff, we have to get Warnock to win these runoff um, elections in January because if they win, that will put us over. We'll have over 50, um, we'll have 51 control of the Senate and we'll have the majority and it'll make it easier for us to get a lot of the things that um, Biden needs to get done in order to repair this country in order to stabilize us so that we can, so we can um, move things forward. You know, something you said that was very um, interesting, and I think I, I think is worth um, extrapolating from from your from your wonderful statement just now, because I think people really needed to know, and I thank you for sharing that, because I do feel like people really needed to know how this process works, why this is so important. But like to to deepen the, to deepen the analysis on that further, I think when we talk particularly about easier to get things done, I think we don't, let's, let's, I want us to go and look at it from a, um, how things have run under this current administration's point of view. So under the Republicans, we've seen this president use powers, executive powers in a way that, that other presidents just chose not to out of respect for, you know, the fact that there were people in the country that may disagree with the use of those powers in that way. But this last president had no type of qualms about, about wielding those powers. So much so that even though he did illegal and unlawful acts and was brought before impeachment, that body in the office, that Senate was so, was, is Republican led. And because of that, that's the reason why he wasn't impeached. Like, I want y'all to really get the ramifications of a Republican-led Senate. 
the, 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 the Senate and those folks end up having to, just the, the, the way Congress is set up, the House and the Senate, the House put, puts forth the bill and then the Senate, you know, well, the, does their thug fizzle with it and then they sign off on it and then it becomes a thing. Well, the problem with having a Republican-led Senate is that all what, what, what like Brianna said, everything that we saw up under Obama, all of his policies, as soon as Trump came into office, there began all the attacks to the civil liberties. And what we're saying is, is it's not just enough to have a president that, has an, that, is, that is hampered and ineffective and essentially lame ducked by a Congress that he can't wield. And so it's just, 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 Brianna has told you why it matters, but I want to drill home that the Republicans have used these powers to oppress and deny like acts, like what Brianna listed, the George Floyd Act, the acts around the immigrations, the, the, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, the, you know, all of those, all of those different things, those things will not will not happen the way they're supposed to happen if we do not get this control. So be galvanized. It's not just about a, a, your ballot and you and the Democrats leading. It's about making sure that the choice that we made in president is bolstered by a, a, a Congress that can support him. Yes, honey. Yeah, we got, we got. And also for the, for the Democrats on the line, you know, I, I get that some of I get that there's a spectrum of Democrats um that exists and I wanna acknowledge folks. But at this particular point in time, bitch, we need to win. Like we 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 need to win. We need to get our foot in the door, hold the door open, get some of this shit passed, and then we can start to push back and then we can start to interrogate. But I, to me, is really important. I'm really in and Biden was not my first pick. Like, let me be very clear. Like Biden is not the first pick, but it is what it is. And we have to make it work and we have to win in this whole, we need to meet in the middle. I really want folks to wake up and smell the coffee. The Republicans are not interested in being civil, <coughs> meeting in the middle, or none of that. So what that means is we have to play to win. We mm-hmm. have to play to win because it's literally us as marginalized people, us as who live in the intersection of multiple marginalizations, our literal lives are on the line. And there's no amount of pleading or trying to get them to see the humanity in us or none of that that's going to move them to act in um, our best interests. Like, that's out the window for me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we need to focus on winning. Also, I just want to give a shout out to the trans community. I know for a fact that just from what I have seen on social media, so many trans folks have voted for the first time ever. And not just young trans folks, older trans folks who maybe didn't feel empowered to vote or didn't feel like campaigns were talking to them. I saw so many folks voting for the first time and it just made, it made me see, it made me feel good to see my community getting out there, getting in the process and particularly for the trans community in Georgia and the uh, the Atlanta area, this is where I want to encourage y'all to get into the politics game. Like Georgia, like Georgia is now a swing state. 
Yeah. And there's just so many opportunities, whether you want to be in the front lines of being a, po- a politician or whether you want to work your way up the ranks in these campaigns, like the beauty of this the situation and them having to talk with us and them having to reckon that black folks in this particular area, like you have to engage with us. Now the door is open. So I really look forward to seeing the elevation of some trans folks in a political area arena, especially in the deep South. You know, so I have, I'm sorry. I have a question, sis. Um, Now we talked about this a little bit in our pre-production meeting, but I want to, I think this is a great place to ask this point because I know that there are a lot of folk out here and you know, you have had um, AOC and other very, very, um, some of the more progressive members of the Democratic Party talking about how the culture within the Democratic Party has been resistant to some of the more progressive, some of the issues that actually galvanize the base of the Democratic Party. So what's funny is, is that we have a leadership that is not quite in the, within the Democratic Party, we have a leadership that is not quite as progressive as a large part of its base. If you ask rank and file base members, people that the voters, the voters actually want to see things that are more progressive than the Democratic Party feels comfortable to push forward because they are centering their vote on the white suburb. So my question for you, white suburb, white voters, the Democratic Party is very, very, um, that they're trying to win back what they feel like is a loss of these liberal, quote unquote, white voters who have access and influence, because typically those people used to vote. Well, now with this new election and so many new voters entering the rolls and so many more people participating in the democratic process, we're, we're asking a lot of people to, 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 to vote Democrat when they don't feel like the Democrat supports them. So my question to you is, what do we say to Democrats who are disenfranchised by the fact that the Democratic Party has run a campaign of centrism by electing Joe Biden, because a lot of people, they were other more liberal candidates, and, and, still, and, and are still focusing and, and still care about and are still focusing their strategy on whiteness and reclaiming the suburban white voter base in the suburban white person voter base um what do you what what do we say to those people who are disenfranchised and we're asking them now to vote again for a party that they think doesn't center them even though they have shown with their vote that they're overwhelmingly going to vote and this is particularly minority voters particularly black women particularly black men like overwhelmingly we vote democrat but a lot of us are disenfranchised and that's what trump played on so what do we say to get those people back in the fold to to get them back in the fold to vote again. I I again I think my my solution is we need to get an immediate win to do to to do something in the long term. My my suggestion is to get into the game. To get into like how like if you're not seeing your type of Democrat represented, then you need to get into the game. Like this election show us specifically with the the Stacey Abrams strategy that even even the democratic institution does not is not representative of the people that are coming out to vote which means that it's time for that old guard to be pushed out and for younger more diverse or not even younger just more diverse um people to be um to take part and to represent and i think I think people have to get involved. I I feel like people are saying, well, 
they don't do this for me or they don't like are you really are you involved in the process are you involved in the institutions do you really know what's going on outside of a major election cycle my my suggestion is for people to get po politically educated whether it be on the national level or even at the local level like you it's one thing to just sit back and complain, but it's another to really get out there and to really interface with, with the people. And one thing this election has taught me is that we, re we really mean more to them than they're willing to let on. But the only way that they're going to know it is we have to, we have to get in their face and we have to um, be aggressive. And for those of us that have that spirit to get in the game, you have to get into the game. Like we can no longer like really sit by and let, let this continue to be taken over by the rich and the wealthy and the legacy because yeah. it's working for us. Yes, you know, something that you said that I found very powerful just now was that we need to focus on the short-term strategy that places us in the best place in the overall game. Right. And I feel like if we, I mean, that's just to summarize, I'm, I, you know, but you said, but, but I think that's what I really got from that was to focus on the short-term strategy that places you in the best place in the game. And so right now, I know that a lot of people feel disenfranchised, that they feel like the party is not meeting their need in the way that they want them to. But what is the best strategy? What is the best short-term strategy that is going to place you on the out, place you where you want to be? And for us right now, it is electing and making sure that the Democrats take Georgia. That is the focus on the short-term strategy. Now, we are aware that there, and there are other things that need to be addressed, but you withholding your vote right now will do nothing in the short term to support you to have the best place in the game for the long term. And so I think that's a great, great answer that you gave there, sis. And then um, you talked about how the we mean more to the party than 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 we mean more to them than they know. And I feel like if we could really internalize that we have power, stand in that power, organize together, and and not separate on oh I don't want to deal with black gay people, or oh I don't want to deal with black queer people, or I don't want to deal with black trans folks, or I don't want to deal with black, or I don't want to deal with poor black people. If we don't divide and we link up and actually strategically position ourselves to, to, to push on this man to create the right type of policies, we could really change the world. But short term, in order for any policy to go, we would need Congress buy-in. And so that's why the, I love what you said, it's about focusing on the short-term strategy that places you in the best place in the game. I think that was the greatest takeaway for that, for sure. Yeah, and I, I just, if, if we can come out in this election and they go on our side, then I know we can take these two seats. Because, simply because these Congress people, they're like, what Ossoff is the Atlanta area and um, the Reverend um, Warnock is from Savannah. Those areas are black as fuck. Yes. They're, bla they're black as fuck. So I know that. And I think shout out to the people on the, the, the ground doing the work. People have been really diligent with getting out the information and also getting out the information in a way that is uh, palatable and accessible for the people. I know I've shared plenty of, of memes or whatever explaining the particular process for this Georgia election, and I will be putting a link to for our, because we do have a high 
percentage of folks who listen to us in Georgia. I'll be including a link in the show notes on how to request your ballot for this runoff election. But yeah, we got like, we, we need control of the presidency, the Senate, and the House for us to get some shit done in the short term. For sure, for sure. Um, so um, I was going to say, sis, what do you think, and this is still related to the election question, if now we know that right now the president is, uh, while we have won the election, there's another fight, right? There's the fight to actually reestablish order to how this process is going to be handled. So right now, Trump is actively denying the results of the election. He's trying to launch lawsuits on multiple fronts, and he is ultimately sowing seeds of dissent into our whole democratic process. And um, while world leaders and maybe like four Republicans have reached out and congratulated Biden, and in this case, congratulations would be a sign that you're accepting the result because our president, again, is refusing to concede. So um, I just want people out there to be aware that there are other parts coming. But for you, Brianna, my question is, should we be alarmed by the... Um, well, one, it's two more than one question here, but the first question I have for you is, uh, should we be alarmed that that about these lawsuits or are they unfounded? I know that I know, and I know you know too, but for our listeners that aren't necessarily watching and following and hearing that this election is not over causes anxiety for people. So is, it, is there a way that he could still fight this and win? You know what? Specifically. I don't think he I I don't think he can win because overwhelming like even though a lot of the races were kind of razor thin I think he won enough votes and he won enough electoral college votes in states where it wasn't this big contest where like it clearly sh- it overwhelmingly shows the bottom one fair and square and a lot of these lawsuits are just tactics delay tactics to delay the inevitable that you got to get the fuck out you need to get the fuck out of the white house you need to and not only do you need to get the fuck out the girls are going to be waiting for you with the paddy wagon and the golden handcuff like it's just it's it's tactics and it's it's because it didn't go their way, we're going to go above and beyond to call the process fraudulent, to call these votes fraud. And this is like, we already waited like almost a week to get the results. I don't think any, that, that, that was more than enough time for folks to get it right. You thought you were going to win. You thought your voter suppression tactics were going to win. And what it did was it motivated us even more to go out and vote and to go out and make sure our voices was heard. And you're just trying to delay the inevitable. So I don't, I don't think there's any merit to any of these lawsuits if they go further. What I really think, and which why he rushed to get Amy Coney Barrett on Barrett on the Supreme Court is they thought it was going to be an issue with the votes where the court, the Supreme Court will ultimately have to decide who won uh, the election. Got you. Uh But the the results, it wasn't, even though it was thin, narrow margins, it wasn't that much of a discrepancy where 
it had to go to the Supreme Court. Now, the Supreme Court, they're hearing that stuff on the Affordable Care Act. And even some of the conservative justices, they have voiced that they're they're not they're not necessarily going to rule in a conservative way. So in a way to take so like now what we're saying is that the chips are starting to fall and he is doing what he does always. He's on his skits. And I just what I hope is in his in his effort to try to divert attention or try to create the distraction i just hope he doesn't do anything any more reckless than the reckless stuff that he hasn't done that puts the that puts us in any more danger than what we already are you know i think that's i think that's very powerful so now um knowing that his lawsuits probably won't work because he's having to fight lawsuits He's having to launch lawsuits in, on, on five different fronts, arguing different things. In one state, stop counting. In one state, another state, keep counting. Like, so there, there are many, many barriers. There's a lot of pathways to failure here for him. And, and there, there really aren't any pathways to the win. But should we be afraid? And now this is a deeper question. So there's, I've, I've seen some, um, Van Jones did a wonderful TED Talk on how how him failing to concede puts us in a constitutional crisis situation potentially um simply because there are so many other so after we elect a president there's a whole another process that happens and you know there's there's several processes that happen to to to, to before we get to the day of an inauguration but part of that also too is a transition team and because the president has failed to concede, it is affecting the transition team and Biden being prepared to take this role. I'm not saying that he can't take the role, but should we be prepared that essentially this president is undermining the democratic process by refusing to agree? And even if the results are counted, he's not willing to concede. So then we essentially have someone that is trying to galvanize his base for a coup. And so should we be alarmed or do you think that this is just bluster and it's just going to boil over? You know, I can't, I can't really say at this point, like. If you had to speculate, what is your gut telling you? Girl, I don't know. I don't like, I don't, he's unpredictable. So I, I don't know. Cause even with, with the election results, I was scared that it was going to be like, a bit like I thought it was going to give Tulsa twenty twenty tees, and it's been some it's been surprisingly calm. So I can't, you know, I all all I can do is just take it day by day and see what happens and react accordingly. But like I said, he's unpredictable. So yeah, I I don't know. I hope the transfer is peaceful. I hope, or it, even if it's not peaceful, I hope that he's able to be forcibly removed in a way that doesn't compromise the safety of the country or compromise the safety of Black folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I really, I really can't say. I really can't say. But at this point, he's desperate, so he's going to do. He, he, and he has like he literally has nothing left to lose. Yes, and that's the scary part is that this. This man who is proven to be obstinate, proven to be hap- to be uncouth, pro- proven to be um, someone that doesn't that will circumvent the law. I mean, this is a president that we actually impeached, and so he already knows and is aware that he has a certain modicum of power within his base. Because even now, when it when 
a lot of these senators are from states where he's literally saying your state is fraudulent. Y'all still aren't speaking up to speak up for your own state because you're concerned more about what your party would think. And there are in some states now, particularly in Georgia, the secretary, the, um, so in the runoff, one of the runoff elections, there's Warnock going against this lady named Lisa Lawler, I believe her name is. I don't know that woman, so I don't care if I say her name wrong. I'm not trying to promote her. However, um, Lisa, um, the guy running against Warnock, Reverend Warnock here in Georgia, she actually asked our Secretary of Defense, Secretary of State today in Georgia to resign. Now he said because he because he dared to say that he had faith in our election process in Georgia and he didn't think it was corrupt. And so she's trying to toe a line similar to Trump because she thinks that it'll keep her base, who are Trump supporters, galvanized. And I get her strategy there, but it's indicative of a larger thing that has happened since Trump has been in office where it's either you're team Trump as a Republican or you're not. And so my, 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 another thing that is in big news today is that the Trump administration um, removed a, the, a, a lot of senior defense officials, including our defense secretary, and that's starting to, a trig to trigger alarm bells to people because why now, after you have been voted out of office and you're supposed to be focusing on the transition, are you firing a Department of Defense um, secretary? And what they're saying is it could have been retribution for something that for him not supporting Trump in the past, but it also could be that the Trump is making some type of wants to make decisions that he doesn't think that the Department of Defense would condone and he wanted to prop someone in that position who he would rubber stamp whatever he says. Either way, it's very alarming. And I wanted to just put that out there to the viewers that the climate that we're in right now is still very charged. And use that, use that same um, anxiety that you had around Trump running this country as a motivator to ensure that we seal the deal and put the nail in the coffin because Right now, he's still in office. And what we don't want is for any him or any of his cronies to be in play when we take office in January, January 20th. Are you, are you going to the inauguration, sis? I want to very badly, um, but I realize <laughs> that that is going to be a super spreader event. <laughs> I know that it's going to be packed, and I. But as a black woman, I feel like I should be there for that. I did not go to either of um, Obama's inaugurations because I also have a fear of crowds, <laughs> especially because you know, Columbine happened when I was in middle school, <laughs> and it forever made me question being in large groups of people. And then now with this many school shootings and movie theater shootings and so many angry Trump supporters, I'm nervous about this inauguration. So there's a part of me that wants to go. I would go if I was with maybe a group of sisters or somebody I really felt safe around. But just like me and my husband trying to go, not by myself, I wouldn't. But if there was like a contingency, I would feel safety in numbers and maybe I'd go. But it, it also depends on where COVID numbers are in January. Well, I'm a, my gut feeling is telling me that they're not going to go down anytime soon because they just like the girl. It, I would it, like to go. I would like to go to. I'm just blessed that I I live close enough to DC where I can feel like I'm there without being there, and I can just watch it on TV. 
Right. So you'll still get to see the traffic clog. Well, I won't even get to see that. I'm just, I'm in the the general metropolitan area, so my spirit will feel like I'm there. But our local news will be covering it, so that'll make you feel really pressed. Right, right. But the COVID-19, like, and it's no shade. I wanted to travel for the holidays and Christmas and all of that, but I I don't even know if I'm gonna do that. Because it's so bad now, they're saying 100,000 people a day are coming positive. Right, and no shade. I've been seeing girls in communities talking about they positive. And so, girl, I, just, I just don't want that to be me. So many, to the point where I am like quaking in my boots now. Even Every time I go back outside, back like it was. Because sis, I don't, everybody, uh, to the point where it's scary because it makes you at a certain point wonder if you're, if everybody around you is going to get it. So is it inevitable that you're going to get it? Because it, there's no, still no steps being done. This administration focus on trying to stay in office. They don't give a fuck about COVID. He hasn't even mentioned the shit. Meanwhile, you know all, all of these figureheads are suffering in silence with their diagnosis and they're trying to keep the news under, and it's just like, what is going on? What is going on? Yes. And Mitch McConnell looks like he's closer to death every time he gets on TV. To the point where the bruising is creeping everywhere. <laughs> it's, just, it's like, is this a new side effect of COVID-19? Or like, what, like what's the team of that? Well, well, you know, that's the thing about COVID is that people erroneously assume it's only a respiratory thing. So you may be walking around and not experiencing the respiratory symptoms and sleeping and breathing fine, but internally it could be affecting in, it could be affecting your bloodstream and going to all different parts of your organs and causing problems. And so what people, a lot of people, particularly the elderly, they're dying from COVID, but the COVID is not necessarily, they're not drowning like people were before in like not being able to breathe. These people are dying from like, like kidneys and livers and all the other shit that they're dealing with. And Ms. McConnell's at the age where you know there were a few pre-existing conditions, bitch. Right. But meanwhile, his old ass gets the best health care the money can buy. At Wall Street, regular bitch. Right. <laughs> yeah, but, and I and I thought it was a ball this weekend in Virginia, and the girls were there with no mask on. And it oh, was my God. And it was like, I just really, like, I'm still going to judge because that's just who I am, but I just want us to be careful. <laughs> I just want us, like, to me, to me, it's not worth it. It's just not, it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it, and I don't know, it's just, girl, girls, girl, like, the numbers are going up again. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. And I know people are looking at me like I'm crazy because I don't want to go out and socialize with strangers, girl. But it's just like, girl, if something happens to me, girl, I'm the only one that's going to be responsible for taking care of me. Exactly. And a lot of us don't have health insurance. Be careful. (laughs) And if you do catch it now and it causes problems that last for a while and we don't get a, and we don't, and and y'all, and y'all fuck around and get COVID and can't vote. It's if you live in Georgia. (laughs) <laughs> you could be the deciding vote. Y'all saw how close this election was. You see we're in a runoff. So it is, it, it's actually dead. It's actually almost a dead tie. So every vote counts. And so we need y'all to be healthy to be able to get to the polls. No shade. So, yeah, that is sounds selfish, but it's so true. We need y'all to be healthy to get to these polls. Sis, how did the, how did the election make you feel about like being in the South? Like, 
I know you and Tia have talked about leaving the South, but how, like, has this election changed anything? Has the direction that the South is going in, has that changed anything for you? Um, I'll say this. So, Georgia for a while has been trending blue. It has been, the vote has been suppressed. That's why you have the election um, a couple of years ago with this, with the, with the, um, governor's election you, you that's why you saw that election having to be stolen from stacy because i think in general georgia with its large with it being the largest gay city in the country atlanta with the suburbs having such a large and strong successful black base atlanta will always to me be like in my what i would like to call one of the birthplaces of a new harlem renaissance I have, I have tried at this point, I can say that I traveled pretty much a large part of this country and I have never seen this level of consistent black success in Atlanta. If you see a Bentley, if you see a luxury, a very expensive luxury vehicle, you can assume that the person is black and you get that nowhere else. So I, I will say that that's, that's existed for a while. The reason why I'm still wanting to leave Georgia, <laughs> even after this election, is because even though the city of Atlanta is trending positively, even though the 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 the, the organizing, the community organizing in Atlanta is, in my opinion, second to none. You know, Martin Luther King and a lot of the activism that that was activated as a result of the civil rights movement is still alive and well. I am not interested in being in a state with the kind of Republican legislature we have in our personal state house. And I think throughout the South, there are just so many setbacks. Like it's like the South's refusal to accept the additional funding offered to them from through Obamacare. So then it put people in the in the state in a position where there was no supplemental money to supplement those co-pays so you know a lot of people talk about how obamacare didn't work for them and their insurance would have went to god-awful amounts well it's because of the states that chose to deny the funding and to have it really build out in a way that was accessible for everyone so all of those things are still present and i don't want to paint the picture that georgia is this pollyanna place where there's no racism it is still fucking Georgia. And I love the South. I think that this, I think that if I had to live anyplace else, in the, I would never move anyplace else in the South but Atlanta, if I could help it, knock on wood. You know, I, if, if, if barring some status of life change, uh, you know, parents or whatever, because we have aging parents, I, my goal, though, is to only live in the state of Atlanta if I'm in the South, in the state of Georgia, in the city of Atlanta if I live in the South. But to be honest, sis, I want to see more diversity in the way things look. The South is still very separated in a lot of ways. There's still a lot of redlining happening, not necessarily, you know, defined and clear on its face, but you see that there are still railroad tracks. And in a lot of towns, particularly not the major cities, it's one side of the town is this and the other is that. And you see that in the, in the elections, you can see that when you look at the Map, the spots the spots on the map. Georgia has 158 roughly or so counties. And this election was pretty much carried for the Democrats on a few. 
but the rest of the fucking state is still Georgia. And I, I, I don't, I want to still, because I know that that will cause advocacy problems later if we try to make it like Georgia is the land of milk and honey and we don't have no problems. We have a lot of problems here and that's why this is a, a positive light towards the future. But as, as, a, as it stands right now, if I were to win the lottery tomorrow, if I, and my plan is, is to transition and raise my family outside of the South because the South rules still apply. Um, it's still the Bible Belt. It's still a lot of conservative people. A lot of the angst that you saw in other parts of the country played out real time in the South. Guns being carried into Walmarts, people screaming at each other and ag aggressively. You know, we, we had a, one, of the, one of the murders this year with the police happened in Atlanta, where I live. I was around the corner getting my hair done and we just passed that place. And when we went to go back by, somebody was killed by the police. So... This is still Atlanta. This is still Georgia. And I'm, if I get the opportunity, bitch, I'm out. Because I'm a black trans woman and I'm not raising my children here. Okay. So you, <laughs> what, you're telling, what you're telling me is don't buy the home in Atlanta yet. What I'm telling you is buy the land and buy the home in Atlanta because you're, you're never going to get a home that nice anywhere else, bitch. Mathematically, it makes sense to buy a home in Atlanta, but don't come to Atlanta thinking that it's going to be the land of milk and honey. The city is fine, but and, and to be honest, it's not like you really have to go to other parts of Georgia. Atlanta, the city of Atlanta is really like its own state. So you really don't have to go too far out of the perimeter. And so if you really want to come and be a part of the change, the movement that Atlanta's a part of, that's fine. But as someone that's been here since 2003, bitch, I'm over it. <laughs> But I do think that if you're going to move, this is the best time. And I do think that this place is the most beautiful than it's ever been. And I do think it's all positive skies. I've seen so many changes. Shout out to Keisha Lance Bottoms and, and some of the efforts that she's been trying to do. But I'm going to just keep it a hundo, bitch. I've been here in the South too fucking long and I'm out. No, I, de I definitely respect that. I definitely respect that. I don't... I don't know, this election and the possibilities have made me think about some things. And it's been a constant conversation with me, like, where do I want to put roots at? Do I want to stay up more? Now, as a professional bitch, this is where you should come. Like, as a married person trying to have kids and settle down, Atlanta's really too bumping for me, and I'm not going to leave the city, so then that's why I'm trying to leave the state. Does that make sense? Right. Like the city of Atlanta is bumping and it's great for young professionals. And if I were in the grind it, go get it part of my life, that's fine. But the settle down, go to school, have my kids go to these Georgia schools, uh-uh, girl, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, hopefully, hopefully this this marks the start of something new. And I would like to see, in my lifetime, I would like to see a day where <coughs> all of the deep south is blue. May, well, maybe except for Arkansas and um, Missouri. Well, see, the reality is, I don't. I think South Carolina could go because they were really close in this election. That was the closest that had ever been there. I mean, there are other Florida. You know, that's always going to be a swing state. I think we're always going to have swing states in the South. I don't see anything just going off. I don't see the whole South going blue, though. It, I don't would, know be nice. it would be nice, though. It would be nice for our, for our families that are still there, bitch, that are never going to leave the South, bitch. 
Yeah. I mean, I believe in the dream and I do want to see it possible, but I just know it was a shit ton of folk. <laughs> it was a shit ton of, of folk that um that elected that voted for Trump and I don't know. I just I feel like we should we should remember that there's a, a large part of the, I guess that's what I really want to point out to people because I'm in a lot of groups now where people are like, yeah, honey, I'm going to Atlanta. And it's like, keep in mind that 71, 730,857 people voted for Trump in the country. That's 71 million people. So there's going to be a lot of people that's going to have to die before the South go blue, for real. Like Georgia will be a swing state. I think Georgia may hold its position for a while and Georgia may become blue. I do think it's possible for Georgia, but like, and Texas, but let's not pretend like it's going to be always a blue all down the South. And I wish it, but it's just, I'm looking at West Virginia, bitch. I'm looking at motherfuckers. Girl, we don't need to count West Virginia either, bitch. Even, but no shade to West Virginia. It is black people from West Virginia, so I don't want to shade. shade like the Kentuckys, the Tennessees, the Mississippis, the Arizona, the, like, even in somewhere into the Midwest, like, when we start getting into uh, um, Montana and, oh, girl, they're going to be red. <laughs> it's just gonna be red, and I wish that it, Louisiana, like I wish that it could it could go that way, but I, the way the land ownership is in a lot of these states too. See, unfortunately, Georgia fucked up when they start letting when the home values got to the place where niggas could afford it. But in a lot of places in the South, you don't have a lot of a lot of the major land is owned by a lot of white people. So you may have a county that is the largest landowner in the county is really like three people. And they own a majority of the land. And then the rest of the people are essentially kind of like renting. And even the businesses and the infrastructure and all the little small town businesses are renting from these white people. Very shit's creek tees. And so, you know, let's just keep that in perspective for a lot of rural towns that is very much the case. You know, like we were passing through Alabama and there's a place called Barbersville. And I'm like, you know, that's a white lady who just... <laughs> we drove through like a place called Barbarasville. And I was like, okay, girl, this tells you that this this is somebody that just owns a lot of land and so much so that they can have a whole city named after them, bitch. <laughs> so just put it in perspective, the South is the South, girl. And we have to remember that. But I encourage everyone to come. And I do... And the reason why I'm not discouraging anyone is because I do say that this is the place of the, the, the like, a Black Renaissance, the Harlem Renaissance all over. So when I leave Atlanta, I'm aware that I'm leaving the hot spot of success. But, it, but I'm aware that I'm leaving a place that I will never see this kind of black success no matter where I go. But I, I, I just want to try something different for me, for me. But if you really want to come, now is the fucking time. This is the most beautiful situation to be in. And I, and I really feel like if more people come, it'll just make the inevitable more clear because Atlanta is the trendsetter as far as the economics in the South with the new movie industry here and all of that. So it's a lot of opportunity. Speaking of, speaking of the South and to transition it into a lighter topic, girl, have you been watching Chasing Atlanta, the new season? I have now. I think I saw the last episode. When did the last episode come out? Last Wednesday. I did see that one. How, what are your thoughts, girl? I can't believe I haven't talked about it, and it's been on for two weeks. Well, I, give, so give the so it's only been on for two weeks, so you can give the viewers a nice synopsis. So give them a cute synopsis of where we are in this new season. Well, 
You're our resident as expert on chasing another. And I just called up, ladies and gentlemen. Well, well, I'm not great with the names that she is. That's why I'm hesitant. <laughs> I don't even want to give the people a synopsis. I just go watch, but I just want to give a shout out to the chasing reality brand. Like, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a marketing major, and for me, it's all about the marketing and how clean stuff looks and how polished it looks. And, like, from season one to now, I'm just so proud. Like, I'm just so proud. Like, it just, the product looks nice. Like, the, the titles, the the promotion, how how the, I like how they take, they take their craft seriously, even though it's on a, pre, a free platform. Yeah. Like, I, like, I respect the fuck out of that. And and I, I was going to say that, sis, even all the way down to the way they do the commercials, the editing is a lot tighter this season, the the, the sound is better in some in a lot of the scenes. I noticed in some of the previous seasons, the sound, like, the sound would be kind of weird in some of the shots, but this season I could tell they've invested in better cam, or at least they're, they're, they're editing it better so that it, it comes out a lot clearer in the end, so I'm, I'm very excited for that. Yeah, I just, yeah, I'm just, I'm, pr- I'm proud of them. I like, I like the episode. I like that it comes out every week. And, um, I don't know. It's just, I, it's just, I like, again, I like that it's a community product, but I, I like the fact that it, they take their craft seriously. And like, you know, if you do, if you put your effort into your craft, like all of the money and the accolades will come. But I'm just really proud of the show. I live for Lauren England's glow up. Um, Doesn't she look good? She looks nice. She looks nice, and I just I just live for her evolution. Uh, I live for. I like the the new cast member Dominique when um, he came on with his confessional outfit. I gagged, but I also live because I'm like, yes, you know, you know, I live for when the girls queen out. So. I just I just like how they I like how they feature the South and I also how they like Is that they, the boy with the goatee? That's the one with the, 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 the dog the grooming business. Yes, the pet groomer with the goatee. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just like how they they purposely feature people that are really trying to, that are out here really trying to do something and that are business owners and that they are really I don't know I'm just I'm just proud of the show. Now I'm not gonna lie, I'm looking forward to the fight with um Kendra and um and I am too girl. I, I low key I'm I I love Kendra and I love her glow up too. And I love I, Kendra too. And I love her music. I do like her music. I like her music. My only critique of her storyline or and like I said I don't think I don't know her as a person but I don't know you you could t- you could always tell when somebody was like bullied a lot or somebody went through a lot because when they then get into other situations something that could be so small you could see how it can be blown out of proportion mm. and like for TV you know, her going back and forth from Oliver is very entertaining. I like it. But if this back and forth is still going on now, it's just like, it's just like I just really want you to let that go because it's, it's really not about him. It's about something going on with you and how, uh, you, know, you know, how people have made you feel or how people have made you feel like you don't belong. My one critique for Kendra is, and this is just my observation, 
she where she is so emotionally led that it's right. easy for her to it's easy for her to be manipulated right and she's the kind of girl she needs to find her emotional center in herself and not be so affected by situations because to be honest she I, and I know that energy. I know that energy as a trans person that has had to fight in their life for everything. I know what it is when you feel shaded and you feel like nobody's rooting for you. I know what it is when you know deep down you're the brunt of these look these gay men jokes. Like, right, I, right. I get it. I get where the, I get that whole energy. I just wish she was able to control that emotion on TV better because it does come off like they will say one thing that she don't like to hear or recap something that she, that clearly is not something that's relevant or pressing. But for her, because I, I think there may be- She's triggered in some way. Yes, it triggers her all over again. And then she's like triggered. And then I know that production on reality TV shows plays into those type of personalities. And I just feel like, no shade. I hate to see characters on reality TV that seem miserable. And I don't think that she's completely miserable with her experience on that show, but it comes off on camera because she's always so upset with everybody about something. It comes off like she's miserable. And so then it makes me feel bad feel bad that that character is on there. And I want her to be on there, but they need to make her plot line more balanced. Right, right. Like I need to see some, and I like how whenever she does something, she always has her, um, her homegirls home around her. Excuse me, excuse me. How she always has her um homegirls around, her homegirl, Anisha around. Like, I want to see more of those interactions with her. Just to kind of balance that out. Because I just, I don't know. It just, seem, it just seems like, to me, the whole beef for her and Oliver, to me, it should, like, if you're already on your path, you're already doing your thing, so... so you have to pick and choose your battles. And even though Oliver is annoying, I don't think Oliver is like a really bad, like a bad person. And you having this back and forth with him, because he's able to deflect it, it starts to make you look kind of out of pocket. And this is another critique of Kendra or no, or the way they're portraying Kendra. The the way they're boosting up this argument, you know that it, when it comes down to the verbal battle, who's going to win? And it and it's simply because they're like, Oliver's really good with words. And if I were Kendra, I would not approach this with a, trying to trying to battle verbally. Because he has the, and also you can feel that he has favor with the producers even in the way that they edit. So I just hope that this confrontation, I know it's already recorded, but I just hope that this confrontation, that she didn't turn up too much to where it's like. Yes, yeah, so I don't think that that's the case, girl. But she seems, I know, I know. I've seen the. the and she had a red hair on too? No. Girl, she came to blow. I know, bitch. But <laughs> <laughs> my hope is that she's not memeable. I guess that's my point. Yeah, but. Overall, and I don't know, I feel like sometimes playing the pain unnecessarily instigates the stuff with her by going, and it's just like, Wayne, like, if you want to be her butch queen friend, really be her, and don't, like, if you feel some type of way about it, you go handle the situation. So you, so you as a man could go talk to the other men on the cast, and y'all handle that. Don't give that lady a reason to turn up. 
when was this episode when was this do you know when that when this series was recorded i think because, it was recorded around last year okay I, I say that because lauren's going to london to china and i was like has anyone checked on her to see how she held up <laughs> <laughs> Now that was shame. <laughs> no, this this is when they said China on the show, bitch. You know, this is a COVID world we're in now, bitch. So when she said she was going to China, I was like, this is not a good move. <laughs> no, girl, that was recorded last year. Have you watched the other show that just came out, Lovers and Friends? No, I haven't seen that one. That comes out on Mondays, girl. That show was a key key. Wait, what's that one about? I feel like I've seen a commercial. <coughs> All right, sis, we're going to have to implement a fine. <laughs> no, I don't. Hold on. No, Lovers and, lovers and Friends. Lovers and Friends is like the little dating show that they have. And it has the two um, gay guys. One of them, he was on Chasing Dallas on the first season. Mm-hmm. It's, they've only put out two episodes so far. It was really cute. <coughs> Excuse me, I'm so it's sorry. It's really cute. It's very interesting. <clears throat> and it's really fun. And I can't wait till the next episode comes out. So the first episode, that's when you meet the daters, and basically their friends pick out, pick um, pick six guys for them to have like quick dates with, and then out of the quick dates, they get to um pick one person to go out on a date with so the first episode is where you get to meet the two guys and you see them talking with their friends and then their friends are sequestered and they pick the six guys that they meet and then on the second episode that just came on they go to like secluded houses and they meet they meet the potential bachelors and then right off the bat where does this come on it's on it comes on the chasing reality channel ah Oh. And um, so when the six bachelors comes down, instantly the data <laughs> pick which one they wants to eliminate. That's where I saw the commercial because they played the commercials on the episode. Right. And then last the last night's episode, he the each person talks to the remaining five contestants. And then at the end of that episode, they pick one out of the remaining five to go on a private date with. So the next, ep- the third episode that comes out next week will be the private date. I would love for chasing or not necessarily or them, yeah, w- w- yeah, them. I guess um, or one of the other um, LGBT production companies putting out this kind of content. I just want to put a bug in their ear. Trans people live very interesting lives, and if, and that, and like that lovers and friends concept could work in a in a way that would really galvanize people if done rightly um by one of the lgbt orgs if you partner with girls in advance and have girls at the decision making table and allow girls to have some like allow girls to be a part of the of the this requires now I, if they do have a lgbt show you you are you already know where i'm going girl what what pieces this, are you going to get to be on camera girl listen find releases and not have their faces blur in the show Girl, you can barely get that much You know what's what? really sad, sis? The idea that in 2020 it's still preposterous that that, that, that could really be. Like the idea that it would. Now, I do think it's possible, but I think that it will. I do think it's possible. I just think that the quality of dudes may not. No. The ones that are, be, that are willing to show their face on camera? No. I hate actors, bitch. 
or it'll be like BQs in the community that are open to dating or at least having sex with trans women. And that's not bad if that works for the girls. I don't, maybe they could be, that's why I said the point of that is me saying that they wouldn't, in order for that show to be done successfully, they would have to have trans people at the editing table and in the casting table. Just to make sure that it's not gonna be that, but I feel like there's dudes now. I, I mean, we. I mean, there's dudes now that would that would do it, and I'm. It may not be the dudes that we would want, but I think the conversation at least needs to be had. Like, no, I would be. Oh, go ahead. What were we about to say? I would be open to them having a show like that, but we would like it would have to be some guy like, damn what they look like. Are you going to commit through this whole process? Because we <sighs> we both know how flaky a lot of these trans and amorous guys can be, especially when it comes to publicly being associated with trans women. Well, I'm just because just in the spirit of positivity and support for the blur for the brothers that love us i'm going to say that they could find a cast of in the whole wide world i'm sure they could find five to six boys that could that would that was that was black girl listen in the whole wide world world, because the show the show wouldn't the show in the whole wide world i do think you could get i do think you could get six black I do think you could get six black men to do it or seven black men to do it because I honestly want to say this is I, I feel like part of the reason why shit like this doesn't happen is because when the community is asked, we go, oh, that's not going to happen. You're not going to be able to do that. And I just want to just for a moment, because I do believe that the movement has moved forward. I just want to for a moment, imagine a world just like we were imagining a blue, a blue South. I'm not saying it's just as probable as a blue South, bitch. I'm not saying it's likely. But I am saying, I think we should start trying to say that things are possible so that people don't hear us talk. And it's like, see, that's why they're not, see, they even say that's not going to happen. Like, we'll never get representation if we don't believe that it could work for us. And I feel like, I know that we've been played a lot in the media. I know that there's a lot of negative images out in the media, but we got to engage. It's the same way with the political process. We got to play the game. Like, I know that the girls would cringe if they had like a, a a trans woman on The Bachelor or something, but I think that things like that are steps forward. And while the image at the moment may not be the best one, I feel like the first show won't. Of course, the first reality show of centering trans dating won't be won't won't be the most positive image, bitch. But I do believe that with we with, with greater representation and showing us as potential dating partners, it will it will elevate the conversation by showing that there are people that will date us. Because there are like I have a whole husband. You you know you have relationships. You know I have a girlfriend that's engaged. Like I mean, it's particularly if we're including trans um, trans men that that date us. And you know, like you said, even if they do reach out to LGBT folk, I do think that there's because there's a lot of girls that like BQ, right? Right. So I do think, I mean, the show could be have benefit, and I do think it, it's worth seeing. And I, I'm just because the reality of it is, I enjoy watching LGBT, Black LGBT TV since Noah's Ark. But I'm tired of seeing gay men. I would like to see more of us. And in this, and in chasing reality, I'm chasing reality and G status. I'm happy that they have trans women on the show. But I, it's it's time to elevate those characters to be more more multi dimensional in the way that they edit. 
Right. No, this this is true. Because I gotta get more scenes showing her to have some motherfucking business besides going to the studio and cursing, bitch. <laughs> and set the shit on fire. Yes. Burning <laughs> burning burning letters, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Standing around a really a grill outside causing fire hazards, bitch. Right. No, the, you gotta watch it when it's live, honey, and the live ch- the live chat is going. Bitch, because the girls be reading in the chat box, like, and that scene, they're going to say, Miss Thing, okay, Miss Thing, don't stand too close to, um, to that fire with the hair. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know she'll curl up. <laughs> yeah, you gotta curl up, girl, she'll combust. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, that synthetic hair melt to glue, bitch. <laughs> melt to <laughs> No, but I also, I want them to get. If you're gonna have, I also want them to get a better budget for hair and makeup, girl. Or at least, at least, because there's enough makeup artists that are on the fucking show, girl. It's girl. They don't need a budget, girl. All them queens, girl. That's all, what I'm saying. Like, why nobody? Taylor, bitch. He made no allies. Somebody gotta like you, bitch. These gay men be coming on there dusted, ma'am. In the method. <laughs> the gay boys be on there dusted so bitch is like come on girl <laughs> right if I ever got on TV and I was in Atlanta girl I would have my team in place before I audition like girl cause to the I, point where your team should show you should already have a schedule where you have at, well no shit cause, it, cause the girls here would do it all for not that much money since you could you could afford if, if, if y'all are chasing Atlanta could afford to give them girls a $120 budget per filming for them to have a, a, a makeup artist come with them, and the girl would, and this girl that would take that money and have her looking real cute, bitch. No, but I would love to see a dating show with the girls. Uh, my advice: just cast wide when we're casting um, the, the potential date. And this is not reading, Kendra. Shout out to you if you're listening to us. This is in no way saying that we read you for your. But you you know, I don't care for your units, and that's no reflection on you, you know. And I don't, you know, and I do think that they could do better about having because I mean, literally, girl, they like they have the gay boys set up in these like elaborate locales. They'll find like the steps to the courthouse and switch chairs there and have a scene. They'll find a park in Atlanta Station. And I feel like she'd be in like somebody home, either she in the home studio or they have her like at a Chipotle. You know, like, <laughs> but by the grill. Yeah, they'll have by the flames. Oh, girl, I don't know that. It's like, um, I well, I can't hear you, girl, because the sizzles on the grill, girl, is where yeah, the they'll have her at a at a bar by the bar, bitch, with <laughs> like where the bar noise is overwhelming her, like girl with a with a crop top fur on in the summer. Like, hey, it's just like, girl, can, can we plan this out again? Just, I, I just want her to feel comfortable in the scene. And I don't, and I know, and she doesn't appear to be comfortable. And I think that's maybe that's why she be having an attitude too, because it almost feel like I'm going to war. Cause y'all gonna clown me about. Cause inevitably, you know, when the words get the back and forth, they're gonna start reading her for appearance or reading her for going to jail. And it's like I wish that as a community we didn't do that. But they don't give Kenya the really elevated scenes. Like she's not sipping a martini on a deck nowhere like they, they i don't know they'll have her in the group when the group comes together but her individual scenes is very much in somebody in somebody home the home in a little closet t- yelling into the mic girl like where does she live is that is that not okay maybe that's not stable because she did just get out but like but they did not- but they did 
they did have her um recorded on a set of her video. So at least you know, at least she got a working scene. She did get a working scene. Now shout out to them for that. They did show Kendra. They did take criticism because one of the criticisms we gave for the last seat or for the previous seasons was that we felt like Kendra did they didn't really show her as a businesswoman. So at least they did that this time. Yeah, but I'm look I'm looking forward to seeing how the season unfolds. I'm definitely looking forward to <coughs> Chasing Dallas when it returns for its third season. Lovers and Friends, that's a really cute show. I'm enjoying it. I would like to see them. Um, I would like to see them do that show for like Lauren England. Yes. Like if they do do the dating show, maybe do it with like a... a, a um... Like, I don't know how to, how would you, I don't want to, because I, you know, I'm trying to figure out the word to describe what Lauren, what, a non-binary person or someone that is non-conforming, like maybe if that's the trend, the soft transition, get one of those, get one of those, you know, softer gays so that people get used to seeing different, but, but the reality of it is, girl, that story will always be different than that of a transsexual, and mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I want to see that story sometimes, girl. Like, it'd be gagging me because then people think that some of those gay boys on that show represent the trans community. And they may be non-conforming in their appearance, but uh, but they will tell you to their face, I'm a boy. So if they're saying they're a boy, then they're not, <laughs> they're not necessarily identifying in the same... They're not necessarily going to have the same issues as a trans woman. And I feel like Kendra is representing trans women and that other girl, um, Ariel, that was a part of the duo that don't talk. Oh, Berlin, Berlin, and then Ariel, yeah, you know, but but I feel like I just would like to see the trans characters get better representation on on the chasing network. And so now that y'all a whole network and y'all putting out multiple content, you have two chasings and a new show. Like now I can give you critique like I would critique NBC or ABC or any other network. And my critique for chasing is y'all need to make sure that y'all do the girls right and have us a show. So I think we are we are past the hour mark. I feel like we've done a show. So sis, can you take us out? I sure can. So thank you guys for all of your love, support, and patronage over these months. Um, we've expanded as a brand, and um, we're nearing our end of our inaugural season of Box Number 512 podcast, Black Grown Trans Woman Talk. We ask that you go to our social media platforms, like, follow, and subscribe so that you can get notifications and be a part of the process. We also would love it if you would go to anchorfm.com and click on the donate tab if you would like to support a Black trans business. But more importantly, guys, I want you guys to know that as we end this season, we have a couple of things coming up. One of them is we will be having a... Um, an event planned for Trans Remembrance, which is November 20th. Um, that episode will be aired live and it will be in the format of our usual after shows, but we will air that, we will shoot film that live and then we will air that as the pop as the podcast episode that next week. And we're excited for you guys to participate in that. 
After that, we will have a brief period of hiatus and we will resume in the new year with all new content, all new seasons, new platforms, and a whole bunch of other things that we're excited to tell you more about in the future. But this episode has been wonderful and we ask that you just continue to support our progress. This has been another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast, Black Grown Trans Woman Talk. And I am your host, The Lioness, and my co-host... I'm Aeon. And we thank you for tuning in and we ask that you continue all of your love. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Box Number 512 Podcast. Grown Black Trans Woman Talk. Don't forget to go to our anchor page to become a monthly sponsor. And also feel free to like, follow, and subscribe to us on all of our social media platforms. And also, please don't forget to rate and review our podcast, Every Comment Matters. And lastly, please, please, please follow and tune in for our live interactive Facebook show every Friday on Facebook and YouTube. Until next time, I'm the Lioness. And I'm Aeon. Bye.